0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or, to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Robinson Crusoe, Written Anew for Children, by James Baldwin. Chapters 47 through 49. The Conclusion. Chapter 47. I am called Governor." By my orders, Friday and the captain's mate hurried through the woods to the little river where I had landed so long ago with my rafts. When they reached the place, they shouted as loudly as they could. The men who were just getting into the boat heard them. They answered them, and ran along the shore toward the little river. The three who had been left in the boat also rowed around toward the same place near the mouth of the river however they came to land again and one of them ran along the bank of the stream to meet his fellows at this moment i rushed forward with the captain and seized the boat before the two fellows who were in it could save themselves it was now almost dark and we had nothing to do but wait till the seamen came back to the shore to look for their boat soon friday and the captain's mate rejoined us and I stood at the head of my little army, listening to the seamen as they made their way through the bushes. We could hear them calling to one another. We could hear them telling how lame and tired they were. We could hear them saying that they were in an enchanted island, where there were witches and other kinds of uncanny things. All this pleased us very much. By and by they came to the shore, and quite close to where we were standing. One of the men whom they had left in the boat was standing with us. He was one of the honest men whom the captain had pointed out, and he had joined us very gladly. By my orders, he now cried out, Tom Smith! Tom Smith! For that was the name of the leader of the company. Tom Smith answered at once, Is that you, Robinson? For he knew the voice. Yes, the other answered, and for God's sake, Tom Smith, throw down your arms and yield, or you will all be dead men the next minute. To whom must we yield? cried Tom Smith. Where are they? Here they are, was the answer. Here's our captain at the head of a whole army of fighting men. The boatswain is dead, and Bill Fry is dead, and all the rest of us are prisoners. If you don't yield, you are lost. If they'll give us quarters, we'll yield, said Smith, then the captain himself spoke up you smith he said you know my voice if you lay down your arms at once you shall have your lives all but will atkins upon this will atkins cried out for god's sake captain give me quarter what have i done i have been no worse than the rest now this was not true for it was will atkins who had first laid hold of the captain and it was he who had tied the captain's hands. Nay, Will Atkins, said the captain, you know what you have done, and I can promise you nothing. You must lay down your arms and trust to the governor's mercy. By the governor, he met me, Robinson Crusoe, for they called me governor. The upshot of the whole matter was that they all laid down their arms and begged for their lives. Then I sent three of my men to bind them with strong cords, which they did, much to my joy. After that I sent my great army of fifty men, which, after all, were only five, besides the three who already had them in charge, to lead them to prison. I told the captain that it would be better to put some of our prisoners in one place and some in another, as then they would be less likely to try to escape. HE AND FRIDAY THEREFORE TOOK ADKINS WITH TWO OTHERS, WHO WERE THE WORST, TO MY CAVE IN THE WOODS. IT WAS A DISMAL PLACE, BUT VERY SAFE. THERE THE ROUGH FELLOWS WERE LEFT WITH THEIR HANDS AND FEET TIED FAST, AND THE DOOR BLOCKED UP WITH A HUGE STONE. LATE AS IT WAS, I SENT THE REST OF THEM TO MY BOWER. AS THEY ALSO WERE BOUND, AND AS THE PLACE WAS FENCED IN, AND WAS VERY STRONG, THEY WERE QUITE SAFE THERE. They were all much frightened, for they believed that the island was inhabited by Englishmen, and that the governor had really a large army. They felt that the better they behaved, the safer they would be. The captain went to talk with them. "'My men,' he said, "'you all know what a great crime you have committed. "'You are now in the power of the governor of this island. "'He will send you to England. "'There you will be tried, and you will be hanged in chains.' At these words they turned pale and groaned, for they were but young men, and had been led into this by the four or five ruffians who were the ringleaders. "'Now, my men,' the captain went on, "'you know that I have always been kind to you.' "'Certainly you have,' said Tom Smith. "'Aye, aye!' cried all the rest. "'Well, then,' said the captain, "'it grieves my heart to see you in this hard case.' The ship, as you know, still lies at anchor off the shore. It is still held by some of the ruffians who brought this trouble upon us. If I should persuade the governor to set you free, what say you? Would you help me retake the ship? Aye, aye, they all cried. We would stand by you to the end, for we should then owe our lives to you. Well, then, said the captain, I WILL SEE WHAT I CAN DO. I WILL GO AND TALK WITH THE GOVERNOR. THE MATTER WAS SOON ARRANGED. THE CAPTAIN WAS TO CHOOSE FIVE OF THOSE HE THOUGHT WOULD BE MOST FAITHFUL. THESE WERE TO HELP HIM RETAKE THE SHIP. BUT THE REST WERE TO STAY IN PRISON AS HOSTAGES. IF THE FIVE BEHAVED THEMSELVES WELL, THEN ALL WERE TO BE SET FREE. IF THEY DID NOT BEHAVE, THEN ALL WERE TO BE PUT TO DEATH. THESE WERE THE GOVERNOR'S ORDERS. It was then agreed that the captain, with all the men he could trust, should go out to the ship. I and my man Friday were to stay on shore to watch the prisoners. The hole in the bottom of the longboat was soon mended. Four men, with the passenger as their leader, went out in this. The captain, with five men, went out in the other boat. It was after midnight when they reached the ship. The men on board were taken by surprise, "'for they thought that these were their friends "'who were but just then returning to the ship. "'They even threw down a rope to them "'and helped them on board, "'never suspecting that anything was wrong. "'The whole business was well managed. "'The second mate and the carpenter, "'who were among the leaders in the plot, "'were soon overpowered. "'The rebel captain, the worst of the crew, "'was asleep in his berth. "'He sprang up and showed fight.' HE SHOT THREE TIMES AT THE CAPTAIN'S PARTY, WOUNDING THE MATE, BUT TOUCHING NO ONE ELSE. THE MATE, WOUNDED AS HE WAS, RAISED HIS MUSKET AND FIRED. THE REBEL CAPTAIN FELL TO THE DECK, WITH A BULLET THROUGH HIS HEAD. THE REST, SEEING THAT THEY WERE WITHOUT LEADERS, FELL UPON THEIR KNEES AND BEGGED FOR THEIR LIVES. THUS THE CAPTAIN BECAME AGAIN THE MASTER OF HIS OWN SHIP. CHAPTER 48 I HAVE A NEW SUIT OF CLOTHES The next morning I slept quite late in my hammock, for the night had been full of toil, and I had had but little rest. All at once I was awakened by the sound of a gun. Then I heard someone calling me, Governor! Governor! it was the captain's voice. I hurried out. He grasped my hand and pointed to the sea. There, a little way from our beach, was the ship. The weather being fair, the men had brought her around and anchored her near the mouth of the river. My dear friend, said the captain, there is your ship. She is all yours, for we owe our lives to you. We also are yours. Everything on board of her is yours. I was ready to sink down with my surprise, for here was a large ship at last, ready to carry me wherever I wished to go. At first I could not answer him. We stood for some minutes with our arms around each other, and neither of us could speak. At last I broke out, crying like a child. Then we rejoiced together. When he had talked a while, the captain told me that he had brought me a present. "'Bring up the box for the governor,' he cried to his men. They came up the hill, carrying a wooden chest. When it was put down in my castle, the captain bade me open it, and help myself to all that was inside it. I did so. I found first two pounds of good tobacco, then twelve pieces of beef, six pieces of pork, a bag of peas, a box of sugar, a box of flour, a bag full of lemons, and two bottles of lime juice but under these was the greatest surprise there i found six new shirts six neckties two pairs of gloves a pair of shoes a pair of stockings a hat and a very good suit of clothes i could now dress like a man again i went about it at once it had been so long since i had worn such clothes that I was very awkward at putting them on. But at last I came out fully dressed. Friday did not know me. I hardly knew myself. The next day all was in readiness to sail away. The second mate, the carpenter, and other ruffians who had been foremost in the rebellion, were to be left on the island. In fact, I had put the matter to them in such a way that they requested this as a favor." It will be better to stay here than to be taken to England to be hanged, I said to them. I left with them a keg of powder, three muskets and three swords. I told them also about my goats and how I managed them, how I milked them and made butter and cheese. I showed them my fields of barley and rice. I showed them also my castle, my cave in the woods, and my bower. "'All these are yours,' I said. "'They are much more than we deserve,' said the second mate. "'And I agreed with him.'" Chapter 49, The Last I Bring My Tale to a Close And so, on the 19th of December, 1687, we set sail for England. I had been on the island twenty-eight years two months, and nineteen days. I took on board with me the money that had been by me so long, and had been so useless. I took also my big goatskin cap and my umbrella. Neither did I forget my good pal parrot. As for my man Friday, nothing in the world could have parted him from me. He would have gone to the ends of the earth with me. The voyage was a long and hard one, but on the eleventh day of June we at last reached London. Once more I was in England, the land of my birth. I was as perfect a stranger as if I had never been there. I went down to York. My father and mother had been dead a long time. The friends of my boyhood had forgotten me. I was alone in the world. Where should I go, and— what should i do by chance i learned that my plantation in brazil was doing well the man whom i had left in charge of it had made much money from the tobacco he had raised he was an honest man and when he heard that i was still alive he wrote me a long kind letter in this he gave me a full account of the business he also sent me a large amount of money which i was very glad to get I was now a rich man. I might have settled down to a life of ease and idleness. But such was not my wish. Soon I was wandering from one place to another, seeing more of the world. I had many surprising adventures, I assure you. But I need not tell you about them. You would think any account of them very dry reading, compared with the story I have already related. And so, looking back with regretful memories to the years which I spent on my dear desert island, I bid you a kind good-bye. End of Chapters 47 through 49 And End of Robinson Crusoe Written Anew for Children By James Baldwin, adapted from Daniel Defoe's Robinson Crusoe. Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California for LibriVox, Spring 2006.